Welcome to the Stop Dieting Podcast, hosted by best-selling, award-winning author and renowned weight loss expert, David Medansky. If you struggle to lose weight or you've lost weight and gained it back, you'll want to listen each week. Each week, you will learn tips for healthy weight loss without going on a diet, without having to follow an exercise program, without counting calories, or having to purchase special meals or products. The Stop Dieting Podcast is more than just about healthy and sustainable weight loss. You will also learn how you can have more energy, feel better, get rid of brain fog, and improve your overall health. Stay tuned for another informative and insightful episode. And if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe and share this with your friends. Welcome to another episode of Stop Dieting. This is David Medansky, your host. And today we have a very special guest, Annie Bush. Annie, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into the health and wellness side of things? Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much, David, for having me. You know, like a lot of us in this health and wellness industry, we got here either through either our own health journey or something that happened with our family. And with me, it was my family members. I was a prosecutor first with the Department of Interior. I was a prosecutor out in Yosemite National Park. And then my travels led me back to Florida, where I became an attorney. And I was an assistant state attorney down here in Florida. And then my parents got cancer. First, my father got cancer and he passed away. And then my mother got cancer and I actually moved in with her. And I saw firsthand how the medical industry was or was not treating her or giving her any guidance as to what to eat, you know, how to nourish her body. And I was actually taking her over to her chemo treatments. And here they are, they hook her up to this chemo to kill the cancer. And sitting right there is like cookies and candy and donuts. And, you know, I didn't know a lot about cancer then, but I knew it fed off of sugar. And I would try to talk to the nurses and the doctors and they, all they would say would be, let her eat whatever she wants. Let her eat. And I'm like, you're, you're just killing her. You know, we're just feeding the cancer. So I was confused. And then I got frustrated and then I got angry. And that I decided to do something. So that's when I made the turn from having a legal career. I first became a personal trainer and then a health coach. And then I got certified as a brain health coach under both Dr. Daniel Amen and then eventually under Dr. Del Bredesen also. Awesome. And you're known as a holistic longevity strategist. Yes. What is that exactly? <laughs> I know. So... Here I am, I'm a certified brain health coach. And with Dr. Daniel Amen, he concentrates or what aspect of his training that I that I focused on was like ADD and ADHD and like more trauma. And then when I got certified with Dr. Dale Bredesen, it's more of your traditional cognitive decline, dementia. You know, it's the brain fog. It's the age-related cognitive decline. Well, then what I realized was that whatever is happening in our brains, so like above our neckline, is just a symptom of what's going on below our neckline. That cognitive decline is caused by inflammation. Our body's not being able to toxify. It's being exposed to environmental toxins in response to that. So it's more of a whole body approach. And then I learned about stem cells and how, you know, as we age, 
we're not making as many stem cells to replace the damaged cells. So this whole concept of a longevity strategy is getting ourselves into optimal health today so that we'll be in optimal health for all of our tomorrows. So it's just a total whole body approach, taking everything that I've learned in the last 10 years on how to get the body healthy. And now I'm really focusing on using your genetics, your DNA as your blueprint for your optimal health plan and longevity. So it's about the quality of your life as opposed to the longevity of how long you're living, because a lot of people are living longer. However, as I see it, they're more existing than enjoying life. They're not able to be physically active. They're not able to have mental clarity or cognitive ability. And so for me, when I think of longevity, I think of not only being physically healthy, but being mentally healthy as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Your cognitive decline starts 10 to 20 years before you even have the first sign or symptom. You know, before you lose your car keys and can't find your car keys or can't find your cell phone the first time, your decline started 10, 20 years ago. And you talk about inflammation, and that's a word that's used a lot today. Could you explain to the audience what you mean by inflammation in the body and and some of the underlying causes of it? Yeah, you know, your body responds in this inflammatory manner, and we're going to talk about chronic inflammation, is your body is responding to something that is foreign. It is responding to something that it is not naturally designed to process, and it's trying to either get rid of it or build up a defense to it or shuffling it off into a fat cell where it's going to protect it from the rest of your body. So any kind of foreign invader, and we are talking sugar, artificial sweeteners, alcohol, you know, let's go down the list, processed foods, right? All those. Let's just name some of those foods. Let's see. We got Oreo cookies. We got Doritos. We got Cheetos. We got all this, you know, diet sodas, like you mentioned, the fat-free products with Olean. And so that's what people don't understand. They, they see the labels fat-free, they think it's healthy. They think because it's sugar-free, it's healthy. They don't realize the aspartame in there causes a lot of negative side effects, including weight gain. Yes. And I even, I write a monthly article for a magazine, and this month was the not-so-sweet truth about sugar, you know, going into the holidays and really explaining to people the effect that sugar has on your body, but the whole different category of harmful effects that artificial sweeteners have. And I had a a session with a gentleman this morning and we were going through like a three-day food journal and he, you know, was eating healthy and he was drinking muscle milk. Okay. Which has, he's like, well, it has like 20 grams of protein and zero sugar. Yeah. But it also has sucralose and perigenine in it. Yeah, exactly. Again, Right. So those are those foreign substances, those chemical compounds that your body was not designed to process. And once your body takes it in, it's going to attack it like it's a foreign invader. And you're going to have an inflammatory response of some sort. Yeah. Sugar is a drug. I don't care what anybody else says. That's my opinion. It's very addicting. And I know that Oreo cookies are more addicting than cocaine. 
Oh, you know, the different, the sugars and the artificial sweeteners do, you know, from a genetic standpoint, they will, they will attach to those same receptors in your brain where cocaine or the opiates like walk into. And it will activate that receptor as if it was that drug as far as its addictive result is concerned. Absolutely. There's a bliss point. I think it was, oh, I, you know, I should have the article in front of me. It is Um, bliss point by Howard Moskowitz. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I talked about it in the article. And it's that perfect combination of fat, sweet, and salty that activates those opiate receptors in your brain. Yeah, what people may not realize is the food industry is scientifically engineering the food to optimize the craving for that fat, salt, sugar, and texture so they can increase your bottom line because it affects your neurotransmitters so that your body's never satisfied. So when they say, bet you can't eat just one, it's not a dare, it's a fact. And I'm an example, I'm exhibit A, because I would go through a whole canister of Pringles potato chips and still crave more, not understanding why, until I learned that they were making it addicting. So when they say you're a food junkie, that's true. Right. And, you know, looking at your genetics, we look at all your neurotransmitters and your dopamine and your serotonin and your GABA, which are the inhibitory neurotransmitters that if you're in an over dopamine, dopamine overload situation and you're not making enough serotonin or GABA to put a lid on it. And then let's look at your ghrelin and your leptin, which are those hormones of hunger and satiety. So leptin tells your brain you've had enough to eat, stop. And ghrelin says, feed me, I'm still hungry. Well, if those two aren't working and they're out of balance, your brain never gets the signal to stop eating. Exactly. And that's why people continue to eat when they feel full, but they never feel full. They're not satisfied. They're not satisfied. Right. They never reach that. It could be this crazy combination. And that's why I love the genetics and looking at the total picture, because if you're not getting the dopamine reward and you're still trying to get that reward through sugar or alcohol or whatever, and then your ghrelin and leptin are out of balance and your brain never gets that signal to stop eating, you know, chemically, you are in an addictive state and you're just never satisfied. And that's why people say, I'm always hungry. Chemically, they are. Yeah, exactly. Have yeah. you read the book Sugar Blues by William Dufty? No. Okay. That, it came out in 1976, and it's still more relevant today than when it was first released. You know, because we take the scientists that created the bliss point, and then we take the marketers that are designing the packaging. And they're getting so much better putting all those really good points on the front of the labels and burying the ingredients really, really, really small print (laughs) on the back. You know, I always have my clients take pictures of things. I'm like, no, turn it around so that I can see the back. And it's not even like what's in the nutritional fact panel. It's what those other ingredients are. Those are the ones that are going to get you. Exactly. Most people don't even know how to read the nutritional fact panel or label correctly. They usually look at the calories, the sodium, the protein, the fat, the sugar. And as you mentioned, very few of them read the very fine print, which is the ingredients. And if they read the ingredients, they would see what they're putting into their body. I was reading the label of Prego spaghetti sauce and it says right at the bottom, 
made with genetically modified organisms or GMOs. And then it talks about some of the other things that they put into the sauce. And you look at it, it's like, I don't want to touch that stuff. The other thing, right. yeah. You know, the high fructose corn syrup. And now they have different names for high fructose corn syrup. They call it a lot of different things because people are getting aware of it. Right. I just read a label today that they separated it out. They had fructose in one part of it and they had some corn syrup in the other. And I'm like, seriously? And they're putting, you know, in those kind of sauces. And I do a lot of presentations on gluten. And people typically then get their heads wrapped around that gluten is made from wheat, right? Anything that's made from wheat contains gluten. Got it. You know, it's our bread, it's our pasta, it's our crackers. They don't understand that your Prego spaghetti sauce, their ketchup, their salad dressings, they're putting wheat into, number one, so that they hit that little bliss point in your brain and also to thicken it up. Yeah. So people don't understand they're getting gluten through all these other products. The other thing is people don't realize that the food industry is paying millions and millions of dollars to psychologists. And as you mentioned, marketing experts. Mm-hmm. to persuade the public to buy their products. And right. sometimes it's very misleading. One of the misleading things I've seen is a box of spaghetti. It'll show zero sodium, so much protein, so much calories. And what they're omitting is the carbohydrates. Yeah. And those are simple carbohydrates. So someone may look at it and say, oh, I'm getting you know, this much calories and this zero sodium and this much protein, it must be healthy for me without looking at what else is in there. Right, right. And, you know, part of it is we we live in this environment of abundance and something in our brain says that we should be taking advantage of this abundance rather than let's get back to basics what our ancestors ate, what our bodies are designed to eat. And that's where the genetics comes in because we were all designed. Exactly. Well, it's interesting with corn, which is one of the most prevalent products out there. I know in Mexico and some of the other countries, they're upset because they're using corn that has not been genetically modified and they don't want to because they can tell the difference between the two. The other thing is, People will look at a carton of eggs and they'll think, oh, it's cage-free or range-free. That's misleading. And a lot of times it'll say special grain or special feed on there. And what people don't understand, they should get pasture eggs because that means the hens are foraging for their food, eat the bugs, the worms, the grass. They're outside as opposed to being allowed to go outside. And the the other thing is that special feed is with corn and soy. Mm-hmm. genetically modified and that's that's why people that have a reaction to gluten will typically have a reaction to things like eggs and their their poultry and whatnot because you eat what that animal ate and if that animal ate corn and grain genetically modified now you're eating that exactly and- you know we're eating what they ate <laughs> what is three by four genetics So, yeah, so I worked at a local institute here for over a year and we used genetic testing and I since left. And when I when I came out on my own, I was like, you know, this genetic testing is really important. But the company that the institute was using was just giving you a whole bunch of data. Right. You got you got a stack, a report. It was like almost 200 pages of all your genes 
and good luck, right? And I'm like, okay, there's there's a better mousetrap out there. So I found 3AX4 Genetics. And with this company, what they do is they take the genes and let's do a little genetics 101. You have like over 23,000 genes in your body. Yeah, and they're in pairs and think of them as proteins and amino acids and enzymes. And they're switches that get turned on and off all throughout the day, depending on what you eat, drink, and what you're exposed to. And they come in pairs. You get one from your mother's side and one from your father's side, you know, and they determine, you know, how tall you are and what color your eyes are. But they also dictate how well your body detoxifies, how well your body processes sugar. How well you absorb B12. Do you convert vitamin D from the sun? So there's a lot of things that your genes, and I really want you to think of them as switches. And even though your genetics never change, what you do every moment of the day determines whether those switches get turned on or if they get turned off. And that's called epigenetics. That's how your environment affects your genes. So what 3X4 did is they took all these genes and they divided them into pathways where they work synergistically together. And so like one of your pathways is your inflammation, one is detoxification, one is methylation. There's a whole set that has to do with what type of exercise your body was designed to do, how long you should take to warm up before exercise, how long your body needs to recover. And what's especially I would think would be of interest to your listeners is it will tell you what foods you were designed to eat. So no more cookie cutter diets, no more celebrity diets. You are going to learn what your body was designed to eat. So the perfect example, and this is how this gets applied. So when I first got certified, I did my genetics. Now, Up until then, I was eating straight keto, very clean keto, your grass-fed beefs. I was doing nothing but goat cheese. I was doing non-dairy. So I was doing coconut milk and goat cheese. So I was doing a very clean version of keto. But I was having some digestion issues, right? So I'm the health coach. I know how to deal with these digestive issues. When I have all my healthy fats, I will just take some ox pile and light paste right? Because obviously I'm not making enough enzymes to break those foods down. And when I have a bunch of protein, I'll just take some hydrochloric acid because obviously my stomach's not making enough acid to break those foods down. Well, I get my genetics done. The last thing I should be putting in my body is saturated fat from an animal. (laughs) My body was not designed to process animal saturated fat. So there goes the grass-fed beef and the bacon and, and all that. The other genes that have a very high impact with me are those that have histamines. They have what? Histamines. Histamines, okay. All right. I'm in a histamine overload situation, which means when I take in too much histamines, my body is not able to clear them, and it has an inflammatory response. Therefore, what was causing my digestive issues? And what foods... That was my next question. What foods are high in histamines? The two that I was taking in almost daily are avocados and walnuts. I was probably eating an avocado a day because I was eating keto. And I was eating walnuts here sitting at my desk because walnuts are good for your cognition. 
And here, what I was, those histamines were building up in my system, causing my digestive issues because I wasn't able to clear the histamines. And there's a whole other list of other foods like spinach, things you wouldn't, you know, and these are what we typically think of as healthy. But with our bodies, whether it's a food, it's a nutrient, it's our hormones, what our bodies should do is take in an adequate amount. And then if we have excess, we should be able to get rid of and eliminate the excess or in a few rare occasions, be able to recycle. But whether it's estrogen or testosterone, if you're not clearing that access, that testosterone, it's going to get stuck in between a couple of phase one and phase two detoxification. And whether we're talking estrogen, testosterone, we're talking too much dopamine, we're talking any of our hormones, if we can't get rid of that excess, it gets reactivated into a more active metabolite and we reabsorb it. Wow. Now, is the audience able to reach out to you to get their DNA tested to see what would be good for their bodies? Oh, absolutely. The easiest way, David, is just via email. My company name is Your Total Body. So my email address is yourtotalbody at yahoo.com. Okay. And that'll be in the notes also for the show. Right. Right. Yeah. And everyone is different. And you can just, and because I see this a lot with women, is they get together in a group and they all go on the same diet. And you probably, with your listeners, you, you know, you see a lot of this too. But we are all made differently. We're all like our fingerprints. That's what I tell people about the tremendous amount of research I've done since my own weight loss journey is one thing I, I know is that not one size fits all and that we're all different and unique. And what may work for me won't work for you. And what will work for your neighbor may not work for you. And what works for you may not work for your neighbor and vice versa. Right. So you got to figure it out. now. When you're saying you're getting too many, too much histamine from an avocado or the walnuts, is it because you were eating those every day or you're just not allowed to have them at all? No, no, I was I was going into an overload situation. I was creating this excess and not being able to clear the excess. So with the histamines, basically the, the protocol is you totally eliminate them or eliminate them the best you can for like three or four months. And then it's sort of like an elimination diet where then you start reintroducing something that you really miss in a smaller amount. Okay. Well, I feel so, better because I love avocados. <laughs> However, yeah. I, I eat them maybe, you know, three, four times a week. So it's not every day. Right. Right. So then you just reintroduce, you know, you really have a sit down with yourself and say, okay, what is it that I really miss? And then you reintroduce it, but at a smaller amount or a less frequent amount so that you just don't get into that overload situation. And how do you help people when they reach out to you as a client? We do a lot. The first initial sessions are usually via Zoom. And then, you know, after you get your report and we go through our initial review of it, it is more like a marathon than it is a sprint because we're going to prioritize what we're going to address. So for you, we may have to balance out your detoxification. If your phase two detoxification is all boggled up, that's going to be our first priority. You know, if for you, it may be oxidative stress. For you, it may be methylation. And methylation is your body's ability to turn on and off those switches. 
that may be your priority. So it's going to be a step one, step two, step three kind of a process. Okay. You know, we start with big picture stuff. And that usually takes care of the smaller things, especially with detoxification and methylation and oxidative stress, because those are more umbrella things that will then most times rectify some of the smaller things. I find it interesting that you compare the sprint and the marathon approach, because that's what I tell people. A diet is a sprint, has a finish line and a goal. And a lot of times when people reach their finish line and cross over and get to the goal, they revert back to their old eating habits. And that's why 90% of the people regain their weight back. Some gain even more where I advocate the lifestyle, which is what you advocate, which is a marathon, except in this marathon, there's no finish line. Just keep going and going and going. Right. And what you have to remember is every cell in your body has memory. Okay. So even though intellectually you decide you're going to quit eating Oreos, the rest of the cells in your body still like Oreos. So when you go down the grocery aisle and you go past the Oreos, those cells that still haven't changed their mind are going to reach for the Oreos. So it's going to take time to to get rid of all that old memory that your body is holding, you know, to match intellectually what it is that you want to do. And that's where people, we get into this judgment that they think that they're failures and they have no willpower. But until you recognize that your body's holding all this old memory and then, you know, getting rid of it and starting these new habits. And the more frequently you do the new habits, you're going to create the new memory. And And the longer, yeah, Yeah. consistency and for a long period of time. And that's, that's what I get frustrated with the national brands that advertise lose 15, 20, 30 pounds of your first month guaranteed. Well, you may lose it. Number one, it's not healthy. And number two, it's not sustainable. Right. Because until you change the habits and the lifestyles, and especially like going into the holiday season, I say, you know, you have to get to the point where you can look at a plate of cookies and still have the emotional response that it's a plate of pine cones. Right, that you don't have an emotional response to the food. That's the goal. Yeah. You know, you can tell when you are authentically hungry versus just responding emotionally to food. I just tell myself no. And when people offer me things during the holidays, I usually thank them for taking the time to prepare it. However, I tell them I'm on a restricted diet. They don't know why I'm on a restricted diet. Because you know, maybe for weight loss or other allergies or other things. I also tell them it'll look better on them than me. Oh, <laughs> or more for you, you know. And the other expression I like to use is better in the trash than on my ass. So <laughs> that sounds like something a woman would say. I usually go and I just fill up and I just, you know, especially with a host or a hostess at a party, you know, there's going to be a vegetable there somewhere. You know, you just say, oh, my, for some reason, my body is just craving, you know, the broccoli or, you know, this vegetable plate looks fabulous, you know, and you thank them and you praise them and you just load up on the vegetables and then they'll leave you alone. That and avoid the dip with goes with it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You know, and again, the other analogy, the holiday season is a marathon. You know, there's certain, yeah, there's certain tactics. And, you know, it's, it's been interesting because I've been in the health and wellness industry for over 10 years. People know better than to offer me a cookie. 
You really do. Yeah, it's uh, my weight loss journey for over six years. And last Halloween, we had extra candy that my wife normally gives out to the kids. And so it was sitting there for a couple of days. And she looked at me and she says, did you have any of the Halloween candy? I said, no, why would I? And she goes, because it's there. I said, okay, so it's there. I just ignore it. Right. I mean, I haven't touched right. an M&M in six years or Pringles potato chips or Hershey bars. I, I know I treat it like an addiction and like an alcoholic. I know you can't have one. Alcoholic, if you have one drink, you're not able to stop. If I have one M&M or, or one of something I know that, I, you know, I won't be able to stop. I just don't start. Right. You know, and that's the smarter thing to do. Because again, like we talked about, it's the chemicals that are in the foods that are going to trigger that little thing in your brain. And then you're off to the races yeah. again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. Will Smith had a quote, and I'm paraphrasing, but he says it's easier to stay in shape than to get in shape. Well, you know, it's nobody for, I don't know what it is about change. You know, it's, you know, making the decision that you are going to change and it's going to be, yes, a lifestyle change. And it really, you just have to make your health your priority. It's got to be your why that is going to take you through the day. Now, your why will get you to about noon, you know, until, you know, somebody shows up with pizza. But the more you just practice you know, those routines, those habits, then it will become a lifestyle change. I, you know, I, probably, I haven't had pasta probably in a decade. Yeah. I, I find that interesting. Well, what you were saying, I forgot what it was. <laughs> oh. But yeah, so that's it. And a lot of people don't understand from the genetic standpoint, the interplay between the different hormones. Right. And you not even wanting to have one because it will trigger that little receptor in your brain. Yeah. You know, or it'll make you sick. That's the other thing. I, you know, I always gauge my clients, you know, if it's been a while, like it's usually around the three month mark, they're they're doing okay. And they'll tell me that they went off and they had something. I'm like, well, what how did you feel afterwards? If they tell me they felt fine, they're not there yet. Ah. Right. It's when you put that toxin back in your body and your body's like, no, I don't want any parts of this. Then, you know, you're there. Yeah. So like at this point, I don't even want to put pasta or <laughs> sugar in my body because I know how it'll make me feel. I find that interesting when you were talking about health as a priority for most people, because as you said, if you ask most people what their priority is, they will say their health. And yet very few people will do anything to improve their health. and then you know, stay there once they get there. And it's because that we tend to ignore the little warning signs that our body throws us, the gas, the bloating, the headaches, the aches and pains, that weird rash that came out of nowhere, the, the weird little <coughs> cough that all of a sudden you have, right? These are all little signs that your body's reacting to something that you just did or exposed it to. But we take Tums, we take, you know, antihistamines, we take these drugs, just like I was taking my enzymes to get rid of that little annoying thing, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden that little annoying thing gets bigger and then it gets bigger 
And the next thing you know, you're going to a doctor to try to get him to get to the root cause of why now you're sick. And he's just going to put a bigger bandaid on the situation than you did and send you the bill. With prescription medications. Yeah, exactly. Not get to the underlying issues. Right. And, you know, genetically, you you do have genes, too, that will tell you how well you can process certain medications. Wow. It's interesting. Also, when you were talking about the pizza, I had a client I was working with and he went to a holiday party and he was upset because he had two slices of pizza. And I said, were you hungry? He goes, no. I said, why did you eat the pizza? And he said, well, everybody else was enjoying. I wanted to participate and be involved. I said, oh, I said, could you have taken a slice of pizza, walked around and not eaten it, but it makes it look like you're eating the pizza. He goes, I didn't think of that. He goes, yeah, I could have done that. I said, okay, well, next time there's a party and there's pizza or something else you like, just, you know, take a slice and walk around. And when the event is over, put it down and you're done. Yeah. It's called a prop. Yeah. You have a prop in your hand. It's like when I go to a hall, so, you know, I don't drink alcohol, but I always insist on them, them giving me a pretty glass, right? That looks like everybody else's glass is not a water glass. Right. And I'm going to put a nice lime or a lemon or something in it and ice cubes. And it's going to look like a cocktail and it's got water in it. Right. And nobody gets on my case about not drinking. (laughs) I do the same thing. I'll I'll take a glass of wine and I'll just walk around. And then at the end of the evening, I put it down and people thought I was drinking when I wasn't. Right. And and the thing is, it's it's interesting because we're doing it to make them more comfortable. Yeah, that's yeah. And that's why a lot of people will participate and enjoy a meal when they know they shouldn't or you know something that was prepared because the host went through the time and expense to prepare something and they feel obligated to eat it well and that's where i tell people it's like look if you got invited over to someone's house say can i bring a salad can i you know can i bring a side dish and make something that you can eat so when you get there you can eat it yeah, a lot of times I'll eat before I go also, just in case there's something. And as you mentioned, there's always a, a vegetable platter or a fruit platter or some nuts or something that you can grab a plate of and just have that. Right, exactly. You know, we can be gracious, but we don't have to like endanger our health just so that we're not hurting someone's feelings. Excellent. What do you find is the number one underlying cause for a lot of people's Poor eating habits. It's they're not, they're eating emotionally. They're eating out of emotion. And whether that emotion is stress, that's the biggie, or boredom. They're so out of balance that they don't know what a genuine feeling of hunger feels like. And so they just keep constantly eating. You know, there there is no intermittent fasting. There is, you know, there's no cellular cleanup going on. And they're just constantly eating out of an emotion. Or for comfort. Yeah. 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 Or out of habit. I find that interesting with that because I know a lot of people, as you mentioned, have a habit. Um, I was talking to one client and at five o'clock they would have two martinis. I said, why? And he said, I've been doing it for years. I said, can you cut it back to one? He goes, yeah. I said, okay, we got him down to one. Can you cut it back to a half? Yeah. And, and then eventually eliminate it. So that's what I, I attempt to do is reduce or substitute and then eliminate. Right. 
Right. My yeah, my father was the same way. You know, God rest his soul. At four o'clock, the world stopped. Right. In the summer, it was a gin and tonic. In the winter, it was a Manhattan. And it was a little bowl. And it either had peanuts or those little gold crackers in it. All right. So if he was my client. You know, we would change and put something else in the glass and something else in the bowl that was healthier. Or at four o'clock every afternoon, he was going to be somewhere else. We were going to, you know, we either make it a healthier version or we're just going to get rid of the habit altogether. And you're going to be out walking. You're going to be out playing golf. That's when you're going to go to the library. That's when you're going to go to the grocery store, whatever. But you're not going to be home on the couch at four o'clock. Yeah. Break the cycle. Right. Right. And but you get to choose. You know, you sort of you sort of treat people like children. You give them two options and let them decide, but either one works. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I used to think that stress was the number one reason people overate. And then I changed my opinion because I heard another doctor speak and he says it's convenience because it's well, easier to go through the fast food drive through it's easier to pick up the bucket of KFC fried chicken or order a pizza or, or, you know, bring in a frozen meal and throw it in the microwave. People don't want to take the time to go to the grocery store, get the healthy food, and then prepare it. And I think that's regional. I think, if, you know, if you live close to grocery stores and fast food restaurants, then yes. But there are still parts of this country where it's going to take, when I lived in the national parks, it took us two hours to get to a grocery store. So, you know, you loaded up the freezer with vegetables and your good clean protein and whatnot. And you went to farmer's markets and, you know, you can do it. But it is that convenience because, again, we think since it's there, we should be taking advantage of it because, God, we're, you know, our parents didn't have this luxury. Our grandparents didn't have this luxury. Look at us. We live with it in all this abundance. But all this abundance is chemically produced processed foods that again we weren't designed to eat so it's almost like we're killing ourselves off here well a lot of it for the first time in history our lifespans are now shorter yeah it's interesting because a lot of it is highly processed but a lot of it is also manufactured which means it's not made by nature it's made by a person with a white lab coat in a laboratory and it's all chemicals as you said so it's not even any natural products. And, and people don't realize that. What I found interesting is in the 1990s, the average grocery store had about 15,000 products in their shelves. Today, it's over 50,000. Now, I don't know about you, Annie. I haven't heard about that many new vegetables, fruits, berries, or nuts being discovered in that time. <laughs> But there's more varieties of Doritos and Cheetos and Dr. Pepper. <laughs> you know, but there, there's hope. I mean, there's there's more grocery stores now that have salad bars in them. And, you know, your olive bars and, and whatnot. And even if it's crappy oil, it's still a vegetable. Yeah. But, you know, I'm a little bit more hopeful. If people just... And, yeah, and I, I don't want people to wait until they get the scare. You know, I don't want them to wait until the big thing happens. I want them to start listening to the little coughs and the little sneezes and the little aches and pains and the gas and the bloating and the diarrhea and the constipation and the migraines, you know, the ringing in the ears, the vertigo. Start paying attention to that because your body is speaking to you and asking for help. I wholeheartedly agree since, again, that's my story in 
July of 2016, at age 61, my doctor told me, based on my lab results and being fat, I had a 95% chance for a fatal heart attack. So he gave me the two options, lose the weight or find a new doctor. And he strongly encouraged me to find a new doctor because he'd been after me for eight years to lose the weight. And again, I was embarrassed and I had tried every diet imaginable. And then the light bulb went off. And then during the next four months, I shed the 50 pounds, 25% of my body weight. More importantly, I kept it off. And then this June, six years later, I had Mount Kilimanjaro at age 67. So I was really proud of that. So it's never too late. And, and I was fortunate. No. I avoided the heart attack. I have friends that weren't so fortunate. Um, one ended up in the hospital for two weeks. One ended up for two months. The one that was there for two weeks is doing fine. The one that was there for two months is still having issues. And again, it's all avoidable. The other thing that concerns me is there are 96 million Americans, almost a third of the population with type 2 prediabetes. Mm-hmm. And they don't even know it. And right. diabetes type 2 is preventable. It's also reversible. And maybe people will argue it's not reversible, but it can be suspended. So you're not having to worry about the insulin and the sugar spikes. No, you get type 2 diabetes by your lifestyle choices, right? Type 1 is a medical genetic condition. Type 2 is lifestyle by your choices. Yeah. And it also makes you at a higher risk for every chronic disease out there. So, you know, people are like, how did this happen? <laughs> you know, when they get right, you know, they they seem like they're so surprised, but you just, you know, with, I have this saying with my female, my female clients, it's like, you just got to put your big girl panties on and decide you're going to do this. Yeah. You're gonna, you know, or instead of complaining, you get to make the decision. Either you're going to take responsibility for your health, you're going to get out, you're going to start exercising and moving and eating and getting control of your blood sugar, or you're not. And if you're not, you're not going to complain about what happens as a result. Yeah, it's unfortunate. A lot of people just don't understand that. I had one client who was a type 2 diabetic, and we were at a networking event before COVID, and he ordered a hamburger and fries, and he's putting ketchup on the hamburger, and he's throwing the artificial creamer in his coffee. And I looked at him and I said, weren't you just in the hospital for your type 2 diabetes? He goes, yeah. I said, why are you putting ketchup on fries and ordering hamburger with white wheat bread, you know, bun? And he says, well, what's wrong with ketchup? I said, well, it's 60% sugar. And he goes, oh. And I said, you know what's in that artificial creamer you just put into your coffee? He goes, no, it's too fine of a print to, to read. I said, well, I can read it. And this is what it is. And See, people just don't know. And that's where it's the lack of information. It's the lack of education. And that's where I see people like us as the messengers. You know, we're here to spread the word. You know, anybody can contact me. You know, my email is yourtotalbuddy at yahoo.com. You have a question about anything. If I don't know the answer, I will go seek it out. But it's it's time for us to not allow the sugar industry, the artificial sweetener industry, the gluten industry take control of our health. It's time for us to take it back. Well, I would just call it the whole food industry, basically. (laughs) Well, there's somebody out there that's harvesting vegetables somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, I I look at them more as farmers and producers than the food industry, but you're right. Thank you so much, Annie. This has been very informative and and 
enlightening and, and insightful. I appreciate your taking the time to spend with us today. And again, one more time, how can people reach out and contact you? Yeah, for your 3X4, the next important, again, if you have any questions about what you should be eating or drinking, my email is yourtotalbody at yahoo.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I appreciate thank you being a guest today. Thanks for listening to the Stop Dieting Podcast. Remember to like and subscribe so you won't miss a single episode to get more healthy eating and lifestyle tips. Motivate and inspire others to be healthy by sharing with your friends. 